to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Holmes. Eliani on the board. S&P Futures up 1450. NASDAQ Futures up 3450. This is ahead of the uh, uh, Fed announcement today. We're, and uh, let's just say there's no shortage of advice for the Fed on any financial TV, any more radio, probably even by me. But... Uh, Actually, I have no advice for them other than that they've done a horrible job for 30 years. Other than that, I don't know if that's advice so much. Uh, do we have Mr. Kevin? Hello. Good morning. How are you? Doing all right. Um, stock futures uh, nudge ahead of Fed's big rate decision. Uh, Fed is expected to raise rates by half a point. Investors wonder if we'll get more aggressive. Uh, so there you go, Kevin. Uh, you know, you got all that, all that stuff working for you. And that, and that all investors bad, wonder, or do some of them not wonder? Um, what do they say? Some people make things happen. Some people watch things happen. The rest of people wonder what happened. Yeah, or sometimes you're the hammer, and sometimes you're the nail. Yeah, um, but uh, you could just sense yesterday that every, every, just about everybody was trying to figure out a way for them to come up with some dovish comment, even if they're raising half a point in the. The, the difference between uh, it's almost an age difference uh, Kevin I don't know if it's an education difference I won't go that far but it's a between where they are and where they're going I mean there's people that are absolutely convinced that because of all the talk for the last four months they one guy even said somebody some notable guy said that um, he's never seen a fed like this aggressive Kevin they haven't done anything <laughs> In other words, uh, um, you know, you've, you've never uh, seen a Fed talk so aggressive. Yes, or much, or I, I just I can't even. And then there was there was a dude, and I, I don't see how. I mean, I I, I do not give. Um, I, I try and talk about the economics and the gross, the uh, macro, the gross economics. If you want to if you want to put, talk about it, and I'll comment on some stocks and their PE ratios, but I really don't. I don't give investment advice for really two reasons. One is, if you don't know who you're giving it to, you don't want it to land on the wrong person. And, it, and that, I'd feel really bad if somebody did some, you know, some crazy trade uh, because I said, you know, go buy, uh, you know, Northern Tissue or something. And uh, plus, but I'm a, with the million registrations I have, I can't do that. So it makes it easy. <laughs> I don't want to, and I can't. So, but I, I cannot believe the amount of people that come on national TV with some half-assed theory and absolutely preach to you like if they're like a racetrack tout, for God's sake, Kevin. I don't... They had some guy on there yet. I forgot his name. Thank God. I don't, I, he should go nameless. Talking about every study he's he's done on the option market. Okay. I doubt very seriously if this guy knows any more about options than I do. I mean, he clearly doesn't know more about, more about the theory than Russell does. He's written books on it, for God's sake. And he, his study, he went back to a couple other uh, uh, times where the market was in distress, and every time, you know, we turned around and blah, blah, blah. 
and how the options, the volatility is telling you by the volatility being this high that the market's a strong buy and you're an idiot for not realizing it. Because we're talking about a VIX over 30, and which is very, very high. And virtually every time uh, it's been there for some crisis, the crisis has passed and the VIX has come down and the market has reacted to the upside. Um, to me, Kevin, it's, it's ex- first of all, he doesn't know any of what's going to happen tomorrow. But if you take that to its extreme, which is how I was taught, you take that to its extreme, every single time the, the, the sirens go out on a golf course about lightning approaching, I don't know if anybody who's ever hit by lightning on a golf course. I should just say, what, are you some kind of moron? Get back out there. It never happens. Or a tornado warning or something. It's the same thing. Oh, don't worry. It's probably not going to kill you. You might as well walk out where the lightning's coming. Probably? Is, that, is, I mean, is, is anybody comfortable doing that? I mean, every time is different. As, as somebody who stood in the, in the, in the pit and, and, uh, and lost a lot of money in 1987, Kevin, the volatility had gone to 60. The market had had a move of pushing 10 or, 20, 10 or 15% in three days before the crash. And I looked at uh, when Kennedy got shot, the market was down like 8%. Eisenhower his heart attack, it was down like 9. Even the crash of 29 was like 12 or something, or 15. And I'm thinking, enough's enough. Guess what? It wasn't. Next day we were down 22%, and the volatility went to like 100 or 150. So to, to, to coach people, it'll never happen. It's so damn ignorant I can't even go there on national. I mean, I, I don't know. Am I just I'm ranting here or what? Yes, you are, but that's okay. It was a good rant. What's a good rant? I mean, it's, it's like saying, don't, don't worry about no, st- no, no stinking lightning sirens. Get out there and play golf. I mean, okay. I mean, the percentage is yes. Well, w- will we go to hell this time and the, and the market go to zero? No, I don't think so. Will volatility at some point come down from 30? Yes, I think so. But, I mean, I, does anybody have any idea of what 8 to 10 to 15 years of this surreal world with interest rates like zero they have been zero for 15 years, but uh, for a while, it, and how difficult it has been to value stuff, when that turns its way around, what that could even mean, how can somebody say, hey, 10% is good enough, when you're going to go from an interest rate from zero to what the Fed's saying, to, you know, three or something, three or three, three and a quarter, back to historically normal rate. How does anybody think that that means stocks that don't make any money are going to still be trading three, four hundred bucks? I mean, I... I don't see it. I'll, I'll, I'll wait to see what happens. But to tell somebody, don't worry, if that stock goes from 400 to 375, it's a screaming buy. God, Kevin, how can anybody do that? Just saying. Okay. Right, well, what else that. is going on aside, well, from, uh, <laughs> aside from the, uh, the Fed um, talking tough? Well, I, uh, we have to talk about dub bears. And I, I uh, read something yesterday that was right right up your alley. and Because, uh, I mean, you look at what the bears did. Uh, with their draft and some other people, I did some, something same thing, I guess. Where they they traded down to get multiple picks, and you sit there and go, wait a minute, since when are like you know five, <laughs> I'll say a hundred seventh round picks even worth you know getting the uniforms for them? And I read something that said that the uh, because of the COVID, you had a, a very big draft class, and that the average age is the oldest they've had in like forever. So essentially, you're you're on average, you're getting older and maybe a little deeper and uh, type people in these later rounds. Is 
Is that a possibility? Well, their, their third round pick is twenty five years old. So, really, mm-hmm. where the hell was he? Belushi or what? <laughs> uh, yeah, seven yeah. seven. Well, except for the um, uh, well, that wasn't Belushi. It was Flounder. What was it? Uh, uh, um, stupid and uh, I forget. No, Belushi was seven uh, years uh, down the bad way to go through life. Oh, uh, um, yeah, but Belushi was seven years down the drain. Seven years down the drain. No, he was um, uh, uh, the um, uh, the third round pick is a guy named Dallas Jones from Tennessee, and uh, and he had an injury that uh, delayed him, and then he had a COVID year that gave him an extra year this year to uh, to play. So, um, you know, he probably he'd be twenty three uh, normally entering a draft, um, but uh, but but he got the opportunity to play, and the guys the guys really fast, and uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think he's a front line wide receiver necessarily but he's a guy that will probably fit in their rotation um the other thing is they they drafted a corner and a safety in the uh, second round and both of those guys uh are considered uh, you know are, are thought that they will step right into the starting lineup for them so if you get starters in the you know two starters in the second round you did okay i think they did they did okay all things considered that they didn't have a first round pick so you're not you're not going to get that really splashy guy, um, but the, but what they did, what it looks like they did later in the draft, was a, a couple of things. One is they drafted an edge rusher named Dominique Robinson, um, who in the fifth round, who if you look at you know if, if you go with the NFL.com and the, the uh, grades that they give these guys, uh, he had a grade where everybody with a similar grade got drafted around the second round or even into the uh, early in the third. And the difference is that this guy's you know either going to be a stand-up defensive end or an outside linebacker and you know that that kind of uh, position. But he was a wide receiver through most of his career, so he was a late convert. So he might be a total bust, and he might have you know he's one of those guys with a whole lot of upside. But then when you go down, they just started stocking up on in round six and round seven started stocking up on offensive linemen. It's a position of need <coughs> in those rounds. You might get, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> you might get a starter down the road. Um, but you, you know, you, but you know, guys that make the team can give you some depth so that uh, they can fill in for a couple games if there's an injury, you know, and and still be okay. Uh, and I, I think that was a matter of saying if I draft enough of these guys, one or two of them will stick. And uh, and in the meantime, the the other thing that stands out about everybody that they drafted, as you go down and look at all these linemen, is they're faster than most. The, a lot of these guys were running, you know, sub five second forty yard dashes, which you know when you're three hundred pounds is a pretty darn good thing to do. Um, yeah, I just I look at the. Uh and, and, I, and I know these these guys are getting older, and they can't. I mean, I, I sort of get the drill, sort of. But I mean, I, I look at the uh, what was a horrendous team, and I'm going to say their five, possibly their five best players are gone, without including the quarterback and the halfback. The well, back, I wouldn't say their five best are gone because Roquan Smith is still there. Um, the uh, um, Robert um, defensive lineman. Uh, Which one, Quinn? Quinn Stiller, yeah, Quinn. You know, I'm saying, Quinn, and I know, but I know those, these guys. Those would be two of their best five players. They're still there. Right, but I'm saying these guys. I know are getting a little long on the tooth, and they all have it. 
Well, you say you well, take Quinn, Quinn's older, but he's—I think he's—he has years left, um, and and who knows? Maybe they'll trade him and get some draft capital for him at some point. But Roquan Smith's not very old. Well, okay, so you, you lose—he's all up there, so he's gonna—he's gonna go. Danny Trevathan. Well, up there means what? Twenty-six. Oh, Trevathan's older than that. He's been around a while. Who? Danny Trevathan. Oh, Trevathan. Yeah, Trevathan. I, I don't even know if he'll be. He'll be back. Trevathan has been a good linebacker for them, but he had a career before that. And you know, I, I think in the NFL, once you start to get a string of injuries, you're probably going to continue to get injured. I don't. Uh, what, it, what I'm it's saying such is such a brutal game that uh, uh, you know, as things start to break down, more stuff starts to break down. Sort of like getting getting to be our age, Tom. Well, it also helps when your defense is on the field thirty percent more than anybody else. But I'm saying you take yeah. you take the, the guard who is their best lineman. He's gone. You take Which the guard. The was name Waller or the hell's name was uh, the one guard that went right away in free agency. The starter all last year. Anyway. Oh, uh, Daniels. Yeah, Daniels. Well, you I, take I, don't, I wouldn't call him their. Uh, he, he he was good. Whether he was their best or not, I don't know. But yeah, he, he's a, a good football player, and he's you know that was just the end of his first contract. Okay, but I'm saying you take. But I don't, but I don't think he was great. I don't, I don't think there was anybody on that offensive line that I. I say, but I'm all great. They're they're betting that those that the two tackles they drafted last year are going to be starters for them, and well, it's that a, may come true, and it might not. Well, it's it's a desperate bet because they got nobody else. But my point is, if you look at every year, I like to look at the, the one sheet of paper. We used to get the newspaper and had it in there, where they'll say every team, and they'll say they get they lost, they picked up. All right, so the Bears lost Danny Trevathan, Khalil Mack, Eddie Goldman, and Akeem Hicks. And Daniels. Uh, those are five. You know, I'm not going to. Well, a few of them are Pro Bowl caliber players, and w- and we got what three three six rounders coming back. I mean, the the, the talent drain. And I, and I know Eddie Goldman didn't say. Oh, no, actually, out of those, I really think only only uh, Khalil Mack is a uh, has, has been in a Pro Bowl, and uh, and how many games has Mack played for them the last two years? Well, I. I, what I'm saying, Kevin, we're on two different chessboards. I understand the reason why all of them are going. I mean, Eddie Eddie Goldman set out the, you know, the COVID year, and last year he wasn't as good as he was. I, I, I get it, but I'm saying you're taking five people of really of a defense uh, two years ago was one of the, one of the, was it was elite, and with an offense it's horrible, and now you got a defense that you're. I mean, it, it says a lot when you're you're trying to help out your. Your signature quarterback, or what you think is, in the first three picks are on defense. What does that tell you? It tells you that uh, it tells you two things. One is, I think they would have chosen an, uh, uh, an offensive lineman or a wide receiver if there were a guy there that was worth the uh, uh, that that justified the pick in that spot. Because everybody knows they needed those yeah. guys, and they're probably not going to fortify wide receiver with a front line wide receiver at this point, no matter how they go about it. So that that goes on their to do list for next draft and, and next off season. Um, and and that's a shame because when you have a young quarterback, it would be very nice to have a an outstanding wide receiver for him. Same thing with alignment. So the first thing it tells me is that the offensive talent wasn't deep enough in this draft to justify that. And that sort of rings true with what I read about it ahead of time. Uh, it also tells you, though, that they had priorities in the, on the defense, especially in the secondary, 
uh, and uh, and that that was really important. Now they've they've also brought in a few free agents, that, so that will bolster them. None of them are front line all pro types, but they have some guys for, on the defense that that can play. Um, that, and that's good. And I sort of expect them to do the same on the offensive line now, because in the NFL there are two waves of free agency. There's the first one when the front line players get snapped up. And some of the some of the sort of solid veteran types of guys do, but then a lot of teams wait before they cut people to see who they get in the draft. And if they get what they want, then they're going to cut somebody loose. And there are a set, there's a second wave of opportunities. And for right now, for the Bears, what they need, especially in the offensive line, is they need to be able to put five competent people out there all the time. Uh, you know whether you know. Yes, it would be nice to get a dominant player in, uh, on the line that changes everything. They're not going to have that this coming year, but it would be really nice if they uh, uh, have someone that you would not call a matador in pass blocking. Ole, yeah, ole. Yeah. The uh... by the way, there is uh, you know, and in college basketball, there is one team uh, where it's a good thing to uh, play matador defense. Which team is that? Cal Northridge. Why they they just keep scoring? No team name is. Oh, the Matadors or something. They're the Matadors. Oh God, the uh, well, yeah, I just they're, they're the one team that can say we play tough Matador defense. Well, but the, the what, what what's happened to the Bears is what happens to um, a real lot of these teams, and somehow you can you can get yourself together, and then sometimes you can't. I mean, the Bears have had a situation where for several years, first they had. A really pretty much elite defense, then it was just okay, and then it was pretty good as long as you didn't leave on the field all day, and the offense was the problem. Well, now the that defense that was waiting around for an offense is is sort of suddenly falling apart. I mean, everybody, yeah, it got old. Yeah, it, everybody, everybody's gone. It got old, and it got you know it got broken down. And I think a lot of it has to do with the the years and years of drafts where everybody else had five and six people that hung with the team, and the Bears had two and three. I didn't mean they're. The drain of people out of the draft is dramatic, and yet they don't seem to have the uh, the wherewithal where some teams don't use the draft, and they're just so good at free agency that they manage to do it that way. And I don't. But you know, what's the, what's the first thing now? If you, if, when this guy gets fired to coach three years from now, and we get in there, what's the first thing we do, Kevin? Mm, I don't know. What, what would you do? Well, if it's a four-three defense, you go to a three-four. Oh, naturally. Yeah, and, if it's, and if it's a 3-4. You want to have to remake the talent. Yeah, and if, and if it's a 3-4, you go back to a 4-3. How do the Bears even begin to think they have four down linemen this year when the three down linemen they had are all gone, except for Quinn? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know what to expect out of them. And look, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to a, uh, a great season for them under, um, under any circumstances here. Uh, what I what I will say though is I at least understood their draft strategy this time. Yeah, I did, I did too. Um, and 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 the new guy was working with what you know the hand he had, which uh, was not very good. I think the last regime was god awful when it. Yeah. Uh, you know they they got some good players down the draft, but they were terrible with first round draft picks. <laughs> they either squandered them squandered them away via trades, uh, or or they just didn't draft very well. Now they got some. You know, you get a Roquan Smith or yeah. uh, uh, you know guys like that. What's the uh, um, what's the outside linebacker uh, that uh, did so well for Los Angeles this year? Their problem was that they cut him, not yeah. that they drafted him. He was a 
good draft pick. Well, I, um, I think that this year, to be honest with you, as much as I'm, I'm lobbing uh, grenades at the at, you know general managers going by and same ownership, I think this year, from what I was reading about the draft and how kind of deep it was in the last few rounds, the idea when you have a team in that kind of need of stepping down, you know, at ten choices, wherever it was in the fifth round, to get a sixth as well, I, I, that's genius, I think. I mean, uh, well, I, I think it's smart. I also think, it, it, you know, if you draft guys that can play special teams, you're going to at least get contributors on your team. Um, so, you know, I, I think that has a lot to do with their emphasis on speed. That, you know, yes, even with the linemen, if we're getting faster guys, we're getting better athletes who might have a chance to stick. But if they do stick, you know, maybe they get, they can be uh, on the front line on the on the special teams on the on the kick return team. Uh, you know, get downfield on the punt return team, come in on the offensive line and, and get downfield. So you can get some contributors that way, and you need those guys. And, and with those low picks, you're going to get them. I think the Bears are a good case, though, of, you know, all the major mistakes that you can make. It's bad when you draft somebody in with your first-round pick and that person never goes anywhere. That's a problem. But when it's a quarterback, I mean, how many times over the years have the Bears spent a lot of capital on a quarterback, whether it was... Um, whether it was their, their first round draft pick or whether it was trading, uh, picks for a draft pick. I and mean, when we go back to, um, oh shoot, you know, you can look at, uh, you know, Rick Meyer, those, you know, go back to, are those. you, uh, are you challenging? Uh, and, and when you do that, and, you know, a Cade McNown, a whoever, you, you screw your team not just for a year, not say I had a bad draft year, you screw your team by saying, uh, you know, we're going to spend two or three years trying to figure out if this guy's, if this is our guy. And, and if it's a bad pick, and, and they're in that same boat right now. I mean, they have a guy who I think is talented and, uh, and has the right head for it. But if he doesn't pan out, we're not going to know that until, you know, after next season. So you're going to, you will have spent three seasons trying to figure out if you have a quarterback before you have to start over again. I want to thank Kevin for the last 15 years or so. Uh, the Bears have given up uh, seven number one draft picks on quarterbacks. When like <laughs> Green Bay's done one, and then they've had uh, <clears throat> what two number one pick offensive linemen and never even played, right? Because they were hurt when they drafted them. You can't do that. Nine nine number one picks like that. Yeah, and and sometimes if uh, you know like the, the guy they drafted last year, if he's healthy, fine. You know, so it was a year delayed. They weren't going to be any good last year anyway. So that that doesn't bother me so much. He was I don't think he was first. He was a second-round pick. Well, just count them up real quick. We had, you had Cade McDown. You had, who's the guy after him? The right-hander. Uh, started for a few years and went somewhere else. He was a first-round pick. You gave up a first-round pick for Rick Meyer. You gave up two for Cutler. All right, so you're up to, you're up to uh, five. And uh, didn't you give up... Uh, Trubisky, did you you gave up a one and moved up a spot or something for him? They, they swapped picks, uh, first round picks in there, and probably gave up seconds or. They gave or up, third. and then uh, now this guy. So it's, I think I counted. S- and and they traded, yeah, and they spent a, a first round uh, pick to move up uh, last year. So. Who was the guy? Who was the guy after McNown? He was the, the right hander, shorty, good arm. He was, he was too small. Tells he, but he started for a few years. I don't know the the guy from Purdue um, was a fourth round pick. Um, yeah. I'm getting like you, Tom. I only know the college guys went yeah. to. Well, uh, maybe maybe on break I'll dig it up. It's uh, I remember somebody will, somebody will tweet it in. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, but they've the, the two for the guy from Denver. Now, if they would have had 
a team around him, that might not have been a bad idea. I mean, the one for Rick Meyer was just a, a giveaway. I mean, what can I say? Uh, yeah, yeah, they they didn't even start right. You know, when they, Eric Kramer became their starter. Yeah, well, Eric Kramer was pretty, but they've never they've never really had. I mean, I, you know, it just it, it just sort of bad management. Speaking of which, we only got a few seconds. What was what was the idea of playing that game last night? The Cubs and the Sox. A couple of guys are tweeting me. I met one of my uh, friends in the neighborhood for to watch some of the game, and uh, all of a sudden, hey, where are you? We're, we're coming over. We can't stand it out here. Could, could there have been how many people there after the third or fourth inning? I mean, it rained the entire game, and it was forty some degrees. What are we thinking? It was it was miserable out there, wasn't it? I, yeah. I, I watched a little of it. I didn't watch the whole game, but. I looked at that, and, you know, the thing I thought was, you know, when you get those 40 degrees and misty days, remember that from uh, early softball? Yeah, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and we played it to, you know, I know it from experience how, how miserable it is, and, and especially when you are a first baseman who has to play barehanded. And, God, that's you know, <laughs> that, that ball does not feel good when you're that cold. I, no. And it ain't much better for some of those guys. That Tim Anderson could hit one out of the park on that uh, in, under those conditions. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. SP futures up twenty, Nasdaq futures up sixty three. As of now, we're very bullish ahead of the the Fed news. Bonds have been up for two days in a row. Some I'm smelling a dovish rat here somewhere. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Annie on the board, Mr. Kevin O'Neill with us. SP Futures up 21, NASDAQ Futures up 65. So we're putting a whip to it here a little bit, uh, which is, um, actually it's really good because I got my, my guys pretty long here because I'm spelling some kind of a rat with the Fed, but I think I'm going to even up after after whatever their announcement is. Uh, well, we'll see how that goes, but I think they're going to do some kind of dovish tint to this thing, and I just don't know what it is. Or looking, they'll uh, look, you know, wait and see going forward or something along those lines. The Dow Futures are up 148. Individual stocks, I've got a Chevron Texco up 241. I've got uh, Home Depot up 154. Those are the, the bigger movers in the Dow. Uh, Procter & Gamble up 66 cents. The places with pricing power, as you probably can imagine, are the ones that are up. Uh, over in Asia, looks like we have, we still don't have Shanghai open. Uh, Nikkei down 29 points, 0.1%. Uh, wait, those guys are not open today either. Okay, they were, they were closed today. Shanghai is closed today. Hang Seng is open. They're down 232 at one, it's 1.1%. I'm not sure why those other guys are all closed, but they are. Uh, DAX down 14.1%. Uh, FTSE down 36.5%. Kick around down 28.4%. So, so slightly negative, but, but muted. Muted. Everybody's waiting for the Fed announcement. Yesterday, Dow was up 67. SP was up 20. NASDAQ futures were, or NASDAQ was up 27. So, again, uh, to the upside, but not very much. Uh, bonds 2.96. So they keep hovering around this three points, but, uh, we're down from three points. Uh, 3% yesterday morning. Uh, Bun, a, p- a positive 2, almost at 1 point, 0.98. Wow. Uh, Japan, again, doesn't move. 0.22 is the central bank there. Keeps their rates right where they are, and that's what's causing this currency jumble back and forth. Uh, oil, up $4 to 106.42. It's been 106.42 before, but this is a big move. It's 3.9%. That's why Chevron Texaco was up so much. Brent up 396. Uh, that's, uh, to 108.95. Natural gas up 11 cents, 8.07. So any of these companies that for years you wanted the ones that were more oil than gas, now, boy, the natural gas is to the moon. Although I think a lot of these places have long-term commitments to some utilities, so I might not be getting the uh, benefit of that. But that's okay, I guess it's still up there. Arbab up a dime, 360, so not good for the gas tank. Gold down 310, 18.67. Silver down 7 cents, 22.59. Copper up two cents, four twenty-nine. We got crypto up thirteen hundred bucks, thirty-nine thousand zero zero eight. A lot of stuff there, Eliani. What do you? What you got? 
I got some stuff too. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.37 a.m. on May 5th. May, sorry, May 5th. May, the, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> uh, start with sports. Uh, looking at the NBA, uh, Suns, uh, did play the Mavericks, or, sorry, we'll be playing the Mavericks tonight at 9 o'clock, so you can look forward to that game. Looking at baseball, uh, Diamondbacks beat the Marlins last night 5-4, and the White Sox beat the Cubs yesterday 3-1. Looking at weather in Chicago, we do have a cloudy morning, but the sun is pushing through, currently sitting at 40 degrees with a high of 54 and a low of 38. Looking at weather in uh, Phoenix, refresh my page here, uh, currently sunny 66 with a high of 91 and a low of 64. And moving on over to Chicago traffic, I uh, hate to say it, but we have a couple of busy highways this morning. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 and Costner. Traffic westbound 290 between Laramie and 17th Avenue. We have tra- uh, traffic eastbound on 88 between Kingery and Highway 45. Traffic northbound on 294 between the I-20 connector and Highway 34. Uh, traffic southbound on 294 between the 55 ramp and the I-20 connector. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 South Tri-State ramp and Lawrence. We have traffic eastbound on 94 between West North Avenue and Canalport. Traffic westbound on 94 between 130th and West Ontario. Traffic northbound on 55 between the 294 South Tri-State Ramp and the 94 East Ramp. And finally, uh, traffic northbound on Lakeshore uh, between East McFederidge and Randolph. Uh, there is a bridge maintenance notice starting today, May 4th. It's the first day of Chicago Spring Bridge lift boat run season. Starting at 9 o'clock in the morning, one bridge at a time will be raised from Ashland Avenue to DeSable a.k.a. Lakeshore Drive, allowing boats to pass through. Expect additional congestion downtown along the river during lifts. Bridge lifts will take place every Wednesday and Saturday except May 28th through the end of June. Back to you, Chief. What's the matter on May 28th? I don't know. It must be Memorial Day weekend. I don't know. The, uh, there was a time, any time you got in your little sailboat and wanted to get on the river, they had to open up all the bridges for you. Yeah. Uh, and that gradually has waned, shall we say, uh, hey, Kevin, I have a... Uh, hey, wait, 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 wait. Before you go, you, you mentioned on the way out that you smelled a dovish rat, and the, my first thought was, all right, we now have a, a name for Eliani's next band, Dovish yeah, Rat. the Dovish Rat. Oh, is that what it is? Dovish Rats, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, damn. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's... So, yeah, you know, all that angst that you, you would have, you know, somewhere down the road when you're trying to come up with a name for the band, just write that down, stick it in your pocket, and... Got it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, I'm looking here at the Uber's results. When Uber's results came out, you know, pretty good. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna lab a, uh, managerial question, a theoretical managerial question, uh, at you, Kevin, at you, uh, very south side. The, at uh, you. At you, yeah. Or, 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 they, or like my uncle used to say, well, how are things by you? It's like, it was like a New Orleans sort of thing by you, in the bayou. Anyway, uh, Uber comes out, and it's actually right around like 40 cents when they came out, the earnings were pretty good. Now, there are schools of thought, uh, Kevin, back in the day of the conglomerates and back in the, the Harvard Business School, the idea was if you came out of Harvard Business School, it didn't matter whether you were managing a steel company, an Uber company, a hot dog stand, once you became a, quote, manager, you could manage anything. It didn't matter what it was. And uh, and from time to time, that has been, so we say, criticized. You know, and all of a sudden other people say, oh, no, that's really true if the guy's that good. And, you know, and you're back and forth. And you ask yourself, when you, when you buy a company, I mean, if I, if I for, for one, to, to invest in, 
let's say Eliani's band just for a, and uh, the band does pretty good and I expect you know some return um, do I really want Eliani taking the profits and buying a steel company and say and I'd say wait a minute I, I I'm in the band business here with you if I want to be in a steel business I buy my own steel company I don't need you to do it for me and yet sometimes people come up with a with a, a business that's close to theirs and there's a they get a good price and they go onward from there. I mean, you see, you see, you can always find examples. But I'm looking at this Uber. Uber has have they ever made any dough? Really? And I don't think so. Then they then they cancel out on like quarter million square feet of of place over in the post office and they're down to God knows what. So it hasn't been the world's best company to deal with. So they, they report here the company has reported a net loss of 5.9 billion dollars for the first quarter. Which it said was primarily due to its equity investments in Grab, whatever the hell that is, Aurora and Didi. Did I want the whoever runs this place? Did I want these bozos going out and spending five point nine billion dollars in other place they could have bought myself? I, I would I would say not. What what is interesting is what's their cash flow look like? If that's their uh, if that's their loss, how much of that was cash, and how are they going to replenish it? Well, you know, some you of the can't, you can't bleed cash for that long. But you know what I, th- I think, Kevin is. Uh, to be fair, um, when uh, what was the company the other day that, that lost uh, a zillion dollars in the Rivian? The uh, or in the, I think these guys are being forced to mark these investments to market. Was was it? Te- wasn't Tesla? It was because uh, Ford lost a bunch there too, uh, in in uh, the electronic pickup truck. I think if the stock goes up one quarter, you got to take it. Not, not, this is not the way I learn taxes. So my first, my first uh, question was my brother, who was a CPA, Dan Howe, was president of PTI Securities. I said, Dan, how, how did Ford take a four point one billion dollar loss in, in Rivian? I don't think they ever sent them a four point one million billion dollar check. So how could they ever have had that much skin in the game? He said they probably took the profit last quarter. I said, are these guys? being forced to mark these investments to market on a quarterly basis? Maybe they are, Kevin. But I can't, I mean, Maybe they are, but I don't know the answer to that. So, uh, but, but I can't... Know, I, I mean, ultimately, you know, I, I used to have, in, in grad school, I used to have this one finance professor, and I, I, I can see his face in my mind, but I can't remember his name now. And But at least once a class, he, he would reach in, he'd pull out his money clip, uh, and he, he would say, this is all that matters. <laughs> you know, so it was all about... It was all about cash flow as far as he was concerned. Well, I, I would agree. Uh, I, I'm saying I, now that I look at this, I'm giving these guys grief for this, I don't see any way that Uber ever ever had, ever wrote a $5.9 billion check to anybody that they could lose. Or or, or had $5.9 billion worth of cash trickle out the door over the course of the year. Yeah, I mean, so we, we better, uh, I was going to say we should uh, have our buddy Bob Golden on, but that's not going to happen. We do miss him, don't we? Uh, definitely. Um Anyway, but I, Every day, yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check this one out. Uh, hey, so what? Uh, what? What do you think with with the mortgages going where they're going? The house is priced the way they are. I just read last night that the uh, or listening to BBM. I'll give them a kudo that some house went on went on a market in, in L.A. or something for a million eight, and they had thirty bids, and it went for four or something. That the that the median the median home price in in, uh, in California is eight hundred thousand bucks or something. Kevin, I don't care how much, how rich a state is, your median person cannot afford a uh, eight hundred forty five thousand dollars house. I think not. 
We're, we're, I think we've, we've got a lot of stuff out of whack. We've got, um, you know, we have an economy that is uh, is not helping the uh, regular person at this point um, and, and seem to be making some strides in that direction. But right now we're crushing people. We're crushing the average person that can't afford uh, to buy a home. Not the worst thing in the world uh, because actually uh, I, I think there is going to be a requirement in the job market as we look down the road it's going to be very similar to 2009 2010 if you want to work you need to be mobile and mobile means you got to be able to pack up and move where the jobs are and the jobs are not going to be everywhere in this country so uh, so maybe it's a break you know maybe it's a good thing that uh, people uh, won't be able to buy homes in some places because they're going to need to get the hell out of there um i'll tell you this though in in some areas and I have a good feeling on this. Or, uh, I'm close to the pulse of this one because uh, Audrey does this and try and find a rental, Kevin, in any kind of area like Orland or Palos or any place. Good luck with that. Well, if you can get a rental cheap enough in the city, you can afford to buy private security to keep you safe. Um, yeah, you know, it was very boring coming in this morning without seeing the cameras out there and police cleaning stuff up and everything. Just saying. I don't know, I was ranting. Now we're going to have to come up with something to brighten your day tomorrow, huh? Yeah, we got to have, have something. I mean, we got to have a little something to talk about. But I, uh, I just, I, in, in your area, I mean, you have a, uh, for those that don't know, we probably should by this time, Kevin lives in, uh, what are you, Michiana? Is that is that's the official Michiana is a good way to put it. Yeah, I live in southwest Michigan. But it's, I'm going to say the area there is, uh, well, most people have their teeth, but uh, uh, I'm just saying, uh but, but in terms well, of well, look at it, look at it this way. Um, I, I live near South Bend. I'm a mile from Granger, which is the uh, you know is a very well-to-do area, and and it's where you know all the uh, McMansion types of houses are. Although they usually don't squeeze them into a property that can't handle them uh, around here. Um, but uh, but uh, you know that's uh, so you know I'm close enough. But yeah, you come across to my side of the uh, state line, and and you find out that um, uh, you know it, it all of a sudden turns into a much more rural area. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's actually kind of nice. Well, but I'm saying it is in terms of uh, somebody who goes, you know, starts working, maybe high school or junior college degree, uh, and then maybe comes to your place, learn some supply management stuff, learn some other stuff. Bumps himself up the chain. He's also all of a sudden making, you know, maybe twenty bucks an hour, twenty-two. There's places for him or him or her, single or apart or together. There's places for them to live at that level. Uh, you know, the, the the expenses are. I don't think the taxes are to the moon, um, so the kids can go to a decent school at that level. So it's somewhat balanced. Is that a, is that a fair? Yeah, it's, it, it is the uh, last bastion of the middle class. Right. Even though I would say that uh, the middle class is is lower than the middle class was 40 years ago in terms of uh, income versus other people. Well, yeah, and, and you know, being middle class requires, uh, essentially requires you to have two incomes if you're a family. Right. And, the, and, and again, I... But, but nevertheless... Um, you know, this is where middle class jobs are uh, uh, available and accessible, um, which is which is the big thing. It doesn't it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. It costs you gasoline, which 
actually does cost an arm and a leg right now, but yeah. it doesn't cost you uh, impossible amounts to, you know, like drive someplace and park and, you know, pay to park and all the all the crap that you're used to dealing with. So in that regard, um, you know, the, it's, it's good. It's a good, you know, it's good for quality of life. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, it, it actually... When things are really rolling, it makes it hard for us to attract students because you know what are you going to tell somebody? I can I can help you get a good job when they're when they can look at you and say, look, I'm already working in uh, in a warehouse here and I get paid twenty five bucks an hour. Yeah, the, the, if if you look just at the at the money piece, you sort of don't get the full historical picture. I think Kevin, uh, I got to call some of my buddies up at Pullman. They always send me stuff, but. I actually kind of forget. I have I have somewhere buried in my notes here. I had a thing about what union people made way back, but I'm, I'm going to say that somebody on the uh, on the on the on the line at uh, at Pullman, uh, was, you know, when I say on the line, it was a welder or a, they used to call it a joiner. A joiner is a fancy name for a carpenter, or anybody on a welder or something or a, a tool and die maker. I'm going to say. They were in the twenty-five thousand dollar number per year, which essentially pops into let's say twelve, twelve, thirteen bucks an hour, maybe a little more. Uh, so when you say, okay, uh, right now today that 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 is that's twelve fifty an hour is twenty-five thousand dollars. There's two thousand and eighty hours in a year or something. Uh, now if you do a little overtime, you push it. Well, a lot of people today are still. There, right? I mean, obviously, the, I think most people are doing better than that. But let's let's say it's forty now that that, that person makes it that level. Uh, it's twenty bucks an hour. Well, in, in, in nineteen seventy eight, I mean, don't forget it, a car, a nice Oldsmobile was four grand. Notre Dame education was five grand, and a house was forty grand. So, in terms of of living or pricing power, we're not even on the same planet. I don't think. So, when you define middle class, it's not just so much. Your your wages, it's what you could buy with them, right? It's your purchasing power, yes. I mean, you, you could that 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 guy at, at Pullman, especially if his wife even did anything, you know, did hair two days a week or whatever, because most most the wives at that time were homemakers. Not everybody, but some most. And uh, if you did anything, you could possibly have the little house on the river and the bass boat and everything else after a few years. I mean, I, I don't see that happening for people now making making twenty bucks an hour. Do you? Um, no, 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 no. Twenty bucks an hour is, uh, you know, can still, depending on you know how many kids you have and such, uh, you can still be in that paycheck to paycheck mode. Well, the, the in the in, uh, nationwide, the uh, the price of a house now, median price, just just ducked over four hundred thousand. I, I think that's a little high, Kevin. But let's say, let's say it's three seventy five. Now, in your area. I, I would say that's way higher than median, isn't it? Yeah, except for certain areas that cater to uh, out-of-town people, in which case they fully take advantage of the idea that the Chicago oh, wow. market is, is, for example, entirely different than the market around here. So there are certain, you know, certain lakes. If you want to go live in Diamond Lake, where they have these, you know, really big houses, and they get all kinds of Chicagoans uh, that come in, uh, um, you know, to own homes there. Then they jack it up, or the houses, you know, the new development around Notre Dame. They're just assuming that uh, it's Notre Dame alumni who are, who don't know better about the market, and so they they come over here and spend uh, Chicago money on homes. Well, some of the phenomenon here that uh, people I've talked to and that Audrey talks to is that 
there are a lot of people that go, and, and we're talking about a home that, uh, uh, matter of fact, I was just, just in one a couple weeks ago because there was one of the ladies that, uh, <laughs> get a load of this, Kevin. We go into this place. Those two older ladies live there, right, forever. And they were, uh, what's the, gatherers, pack rats, whatever you want to call them. They, they would order stuff just on, e- on uh, must be the shopping network just to order it. They must have had 10 clock radios stuck in a closet, never out of the box. I mean, we're talking stuff like that. I mean, crazy. They had, uh, so my, my, uh, they had all kinds of schools. Anyway, the, the lady just wanted the place cleaned out. And, uh, so I brought my, uh, my, well, my nephew's wife, I guess it's my niece, uh, um, she teaches school. And for some reason, they had all kinds of school supplies. This, this lady gathered up, like two or three huge bins of all these school supplies. We're talking pencils, pens, uh, you know, uh, writing paper, and, and, and brought over to the school. They loved it. <laughs> she outfitted like two classrooms out of these, these people's house. <laughs> but anyway, but they, uh, anyway, they had the, the furniture in the living room could have been the ugliest I've ever seen. Yet, if you sat down in it, I don't think I've ever been out of a more comfortable chair in my life. I'm going, how could somebody make such an incredibly nice piece of furniture and make it look like this? <laughs> anyway, but I, well, my point was the guy who buys the place. Uh, you know, he, the house is, it's, you know, everything works, but, you know, the, the windows all need to be, it's, you know, it's 40 years old. And then they, they didn't do any, any uh, maybe 50 years old. They didn't do any, so you're talking windows, doors, uh, you know, bathroom stuff, new kitchen, those kinds of things. So, but at whatever price, say you get one of these places at at two fifteen, two ten, somewhere in there in a nice neighborhood, and you can turn it at at three hundred, three and a quarter. The guy's telling me that the the, the forty thousand dollar rehab of two or three years ago is now eighty with the stuff you have to buy. He goes the the, the incredible cost of like of the you know, drywall, of plywood, of new windows. He goes, I can't I can't do a, a flip on a place. I used to be able to for twenty five grand, thirty grand, uh, do two, two and a half full bathrooms and a kitchen and fix other stuff, and and because I'm good at it, I got a couple guys that are real good at it, and I know where to buy stuff. And he goes, I could, I could, and I could put, you know, forty thousand dollars, fifty thousand into a place and sell it for three hundred, and I'm happy. But I paid two ten for. It. He goes, I can't do that anymore. Stuff is so expensive. I mean, it, it leads me to believe that homes in your area or anywhere that are going for, say, two hundred thousand, if you if you put if you, if you tried to build a thing today, it'd be three and a quarter. And it, I mean, it's and it's just totally outstripping people's ability to pay these prices. It's not just food; it's everywhere you. Well, it, yeah, I'll give you an example, um, just for fun, is uh, um, is the uh, lot next door to me. Um, the uh, the people who own it, uh, they're, they're snowbirds, so they spent they just they just got up here from Florida uh, from spending the winter in Florida, and they're they're great they're, they're great people. But um, a year or so ago, oh no, actually more than a year ago, uh, summer before last, they started into the construction. They you know the, it was empty lot on the waterfront, and then uh, and they own a lot across the street, so. They started into the construction um, for the house. They poured the foundation and everything, and it was and and so the idea was they were going to come back last summer and build the um, you know build up the uh, the house on the waterfront. 
and uh, it was just too expensive, although the price of lumber, the price of all the materials was too high. So they deferred on that and instead decided to um, to build a, um, a pole barn across the street, which they could do a lot of themselves. And then... Um, uh, and then they were going to, uh, and, and then the idea was that they would build this this summer. Uh, they would build a house because prices would more likely be under control. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out so no. well. Does a pole barn have to have a pole? Uh, I don't know. It probably does, or or at least a Swede. Is this, is this a pole to hold a place up, or is this a pole for like uh, people that work in those kind of clubs practice on? No, no, it's not a stripper pole. All right. Um, and uh, it, no, it, actually, it's uh, they they keep their RV. They have a small RV that they keep in there, and that's what they all right. Uh, what they've been living in in the in the interim. But they're going to just charge ahead and build now. I mean, it's no you know can't leave it that way forever. They got a foundation board, um, so they're they're going to go ahead and build. But uh, you know that's this idea that you know that there's ways to manage the. Uh, um, you know the cost of construction at this point. It isn't a good bet at the, right oh, now. God, no, it's no, it's a good bet at all. I mean, and it's 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 every walk of life. I mean, it's everything. The only thing the only thing good about the world is uh, the the crazy world we live in is you probably don't have to go out and buy a bunch of men's suits because nobody cares what you wear. Is nobody downtown anymore? Uh, so, well, that's true. You know, I you know, I, I I wear a sport coat about once every two years, and uh, you know, <laughs> and, and I don't own a suit anymore. I, I probably have some in the back of a closet that are, uh, you know, uh, n- not exactly in style anymore. But uh, thank God, I don't have to, you know, do that anymore. When was the last time you bought a pair of like really dress shoes? I, it's been ages. For me. I mean, I you know what? I I just go with a nice pair of loafers and keep them shined. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, I this is percolating all the way down through, and, I, and it's and it's why why does it seem when every day. Another little light goes off of how this is affecting people, Kevin. This is this is all this has all been in the literature. This is this wasn't that long ago. Why are, why is everybody so shocked at what they've? You know, we, we well, it's everything. You know, they, they lag behind everything. I've had this conversation about the uh, you know about supply chain disruptions. Remember when it was? It's still just as bad as ever. But remember when it was hot news? That was last fall. That was last fall when you know the, the uh, politicians were talking about it. The news was reporting on it. But the beginning of last year, the, you yeah. know, January, we were talking about it. We were talking about it in our in, in class, uh, in supply chain management classes, about how bleeped up it was. And at the time, you know, what was the priority? What priority we were getting out of our transportation secretary? Green energy, electric yeah. cars. That's our priorities. Yeah. Uh, every if you go back and look at every interview with Pete Buttigieg, it was all about that. They were oblivious to supply chain disruptions. So it should be no surprise that they're oblivious to every every other effect that we're seeing, um, because they are, you know, they're, they're, we, uh, um, and and that's the way it goes. So you can pick that up with Russell if you want. All right, we'll take we'll talk to you on Friday. But SP Futures up sixteen, as they futures up forty seven. Be right back, Professor Russell Rhodes. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stacking Jacks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 17 now. Nasdaq Futures up 46. Looks like we're bullish on whatever the Fed is going to say. Do we have a Professor Russell with us? Professor Russell here. Hey, I have a question for you. And uh, uh-huh. this is a little bit out of your out of your area, but but as usual, you probably know because the professor on Gilligan's Island knew everything. Do do companies yeah. that have these big investments in other companies have to have to mark that to market every quarter now? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm looking at... Uh, really, yeah, I, I, gosh, you asked me a book value question first thing in the morning. Well, um, well Ford and Ford and somebody else last week had a take... Well, I know, that, I know some people have marked down, uh, I think it was Amazon, wasn't it? Or yeah, Amazon. They had invested in one of the electric car companies, and they marked that investment down because it wasn't going so well. So is that... Is that where you're going with that? Yeah, exactly. But I, but I mean, the same thing happened today to Uber. They wrote down like five billion dollars in their investments in these three companies. I don't. There's no way on earth that them or Amazon or Ford, Amazon and Ford were the same companies. Rivian, right? Yeah, I believe so. Well, I mean, but I mean, Ford wrote down. I'm going to say four billion. And Amazon seven. Amazon never wrote a seven billion dollar check to that company. So they, my, my brother Dan said he, he thought it was. Uh, that they had, they had taken it to profit, like last quarter or something. I mean, it, I mean it, there's no way that they that they've got. 
I mean, Ford has got money, but do you think they ever wrote a $4 billion check to these guys where they actually have that much skin in the game? I, I can't believe it. I wouldn't think so, but I would have to dig on that one. Yeah, well, my well, my you, assumption is they wrote it down because it's just such a material amount of money. I would agree. If it were like a 3% quarter-over-quarter change, they wouldn't touch it. But normally... But when, it, when it becomes worth a lot less than they had been claiming it was worth, and then... They have to make a change there. Okay. That, that's my off the top of my head first thing in the morning answer. Well, they must, they must have marked it up like at some point. I would have to, or else be able so they could mark it down. But anyway, yeah, I'd have to go. I have to go back and look quarter over quarter over quarter. Well, what do you, what are you uh, what are you finding crazy in the world today? I mean, I, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. I it looks like yesterday everybody was digging around for somewhat of a dovish statement or something out of the Fed, and that's what. Uh, everybody is, you know, I mean, that's maybe why we're rallying here today or something. What What do you think? I mean, it, I actually had people, I, Go ahead. I, I think it's more of, it looks like they're going to pull the Band-Aid off real hard, and uh, people are rewarding that to a certain point. Kind of, I, I used to have a, a close family friend that worked for IBM forever, and he was involved in uh, the investor relations part where they would put the quarterly numbers together. And... He would talk about how companies would, whenever things were bad, they would look around for every bad thing that they could do and, and throw it all out there in the quarter. And you know, just and then and Wall Street would usually go, okay, that that you know, they got all the bad stuff out of the way. Things are going to be good going forward. And it would be one of those cases where, man, they reported a bunch of crap, but the stock moved higher. And I just wonder if we're we're kind of at the same spot with the stock market right now. That there's an impression that that the Fed's finally going to do the stuff that it has to do, and long term it will be good. Um, of course, we know short term there's going to be some pain around that. Well, how do so you? That's the best I can come up with. Is because I don't think they're being more dovish. Well, when I say when I say <laughs> when I say, well, first of all, they they haven't done anything yet. All they've done is talk. No, they're just talking. Yeah. So, what I'm saying is they could come out and. When I say more dovish, they could come out and say we're raising it a half a point, and uh, what we do going onward, uh, we think maybe inflation has has peaked, and uh, we, we're going to have to have more rate increases, but we're not going to put a number, something like that, where it's, they take a wait and see going forward instead of saying you can count on a half a point a month for like six months. I mean, the statement. I I don't think uh, the wait and see would go over particularly well. Well, everybody's because we we talked about the genie back in the bottle situation multiple times, and if they said something like that, uh, it's going to be damn it. It's it, you know, I was listening to you guys just a few minutes ago, and, and it was like you know these guys had no clue about the supply chain issues that were coming and anything else in Washington D.C. Uh, it would show that they're kind of clueless once again and and acting like this is a transitory situation. So I, I I think it's the other extreme. It's it's where you know the fact that they it looks like they may be aggressive, like a lot of people want them to be. Well, I mean, can you even can can you even be aggressive at this point when you're so far behind? I mean, their idea of I mean half a point, and you're in my world is not is not aggressive when you're five points behind. I thought. Everybody really would have been excited, and, and, and I was hoping for a mid-meaning hike. It really was. I was too. And and we didn't we didn't get it. But and and I, I think that would have truly uh, been like a little shock and awe type thing that, that got people's attention. But 
also showed that that they're on top of this thing. Uh, and well, I, I and I really I, I feel like if it appears that they are are in, in getting on top of the thing is, is you know I guess the first step is admitting you have a problem. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> so maybe now they're doing that. Well, they finally they finally did that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, there were uh, there, there were there were times in uh, in the early seventies or the mid seventies where they they went up like two percent in a month. I mean, they're not anywhere near yeah. there. No, no, and we we don't have to be near there, but you know, um, a, a full percent wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, I mean, they're not going to do that. It's today, right? They're not going to do that today, but yeah, it, I, I don't think it would. I think a bigger hike than people are expecting. It'd be one of those. If you look at it, well, that's supposed to be kind of bad news. But I think the stock market would would not be overly upset because it would it would it would make the, it would give the appearance that the Fed's finally seeing the thing that everybody else is seeing. Well, I'm looking at this thing, which I. I don't want you ever to look at uh, Russell because it'll it'll make okay, you. Okay, I won't look. It'll make you look at the uh, it was the, the air sickness bag uh, in nineteen. <laughs> it goes year by year. Nineteen seventy four, unemployment rate was seven point two percent, and inflation was eleven, which is right about where it is now. Federal funds rate went from from uh, where do we go from nine to thirteen in, in from February to July, and we're talking about going from. What point seven five to one point two five? Yeah, and maybe two and a half by the end of the year. Uh, are we not? Are we even on the same planet here? Uh? Not really, but you know, we're, we're you know we're launching from a different planet to start with. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, <laughs> I mean, in terms of uh, working its way, Kevin and I just were talking about how it, it works its way through. I mean, wh- where do you, where do you put? I just heard yesterday. I was stunned. The median home in California is eight and a quarter now. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we're, and we're, we're can, we're can, what bad can happen there? <laughs> you just got more. You have more and more people living in tents. I've, I've got a half sister that lives in a tent in San Francisco and has for a year for well before COVID. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, and, and the, the whole California housing issue, that's something that we could, I could, we could spend a whole hour on. Well, you know uh, what? I don't, I don't know much they, about they, it, they, so I'd love they, to hear some of it. We'll build a new house out there now. Well, I was, I was, I mentioned to Kevin that, uh, one of the, one of the guys, the guys, uh, you know, Audrey has people that, uh, has people. They're, they're people that are, that, that buy homes that are, uh, have, shall we say, not been updated. They're not, they're not falling down or anything. They're just, uh, mm-hmm. and they will buy them, you know, cause a lot of people now, I mean, especially the young people, uh, really want, they're not gonna walk in like, like maybe you and I did in our ute where we'd say, no, no, don't fix anything, I'll fix it. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll buy it as is, and I'll put the new kitchen in or I'll fix up the bathroom. That's not what people want today. They want to be able, they want to be able to go in and live there. They might have just just had the baby or something or something. Last thing they want to do is live in plaster dust for for three weeks or three months when they move in. And I, I, I understand that. I'm not I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying it's a different kind of a different world. So these guys will go in and if the place just needs updating and the house is worth three hundred, you know they'll get it for two twenty, and they'll put you know forty into it, and all of a sudden you got a nice kitchen, nice bathrooms, and you know, the floors have all been sanded and all the I mean the windows are open, and it's all done. 
well, these guys are t- are telling Audrey, we, we're, we're, we're stopping for a while. Because at 40, we used to be able to do a kitchen and a couple of bathrooms is now like 70. And, we're, and, and, the, and the, there's not enough room there for in case if these prices drop a little bit, we're going to lose on this thing, much less. I mean, I, I think you're starting to see this affect everybody at every walk of life, except, how can I be an ass here? Uh, except government employees, except people in the Senate and rep. They, I don't think they have a clue what, what's actually percolating through it. I, I think we're probably in the second or third inning of this. And there's people on TV declaring inflation has already peaked. Don't even worry about it. I mean, uh, what, what are they seeing that I'm not? Or are they just being idiots? They're being idiots. <laughs> it's, it, it, this thing, it doesn't just... Well, it's like Kevin said. He said they were talking about the supply chain stuff you know, early in the fall. And, and and a lot of people were talking about it, and it's the same thing with inflation. I, I I've talked before about this roadshow I had to go on in November, and at the beginning of November, you know, I I did the little informal poll when I was speaking. Who's worried about inflation? You know, a couple of people in the room. By the end of November, it was like half the room. You know, and, and these things take they don't turn on a dime, and and it's not like we're going to pop up and have a normal. CPI or PPI or PCE for months, but it will be improving, and they can, you know, it'll appear to make, they can make it appear to be improving, I guess, which then everybody can say, well, yeah, we're past peak inflation. Well, the repercussions of peak inflation, that's going to take a while to work its way through as well. Well, what the... And it's not like we, and it's not like we have inflation across the board. When, you know, when we break down those CPI numbers, it's, you know, it, 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 seems to rotate into different areas from month to month. Well, I think you and I, uh, you and I know yeah. that if it, if it was even, it wouldn't hurt. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if it were, e- no, I guess it wouldn't hurt if it were even. If it, people were getting paid exactly more and everything else, we would, you know. If inflation was 10% everywhere and everybody got a 10% raise, right back, it'd be like yeah. a stock dividend, right? It'd be like a stock yeah. split. well... I like that. Well, I mean, but that's that, that's why that's why when these guys uh, fail to, shall we say, do their job and see that it doesn't happen, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. getting so damn cynical as I'm getting older. I think they're doing it on purpose because they know who the winners and the losers are. And, and well, see, that's that's where you and I start to diverge because I I just don't like to think like that. Well, and and I'm and I'm probably naive, and it's probably hurt me my whole career. But it is what it is. Well, you know, don't take this as a shot, uh, mm-hmm. even though I love giving you grief. Uh, mm-hmm. When you can give somebody as bright as Russell grief, it's, it's you know, it's fun. Uh, but you, you, you're, uh, you're becoming uh, Milton Friedman and me. Uh, when I say that, you know, uh, you guys, obviously, I'm putting you in the same class as a Nobel Prize winner, right? You guys are. are I know. No, I. I, I, I are certainly. If you're if you're insulting me, go for it. I'm just saying you guys are clearly out of the knife drawer. We're took, looking at two of the sharpest knives. Okay, but well, thank you. the the idea, and I, and I. By the way, you know what? I used to think this way. I used to be right with you on this, where I used to th- think that you know, well, because I studied there and I hang around with guys like you, and, and still read economic stuff that maybe I know something that other people don't. Now I've now I've decided I'm an idiot for thinking that way. I, the, the thought that Chairman Powell and the other people on that board, w- with their background and where they come from, 
for them not knowing what I know about this topic is ludicrous. Maybe I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong, but I, I tell you what, they must know that that, that Procter and Gamble is going to come out smelling like a rose. That Home Depot is going to come out. Smelling. They must know who the yeah. winners and losers losers are. It can't just be me from the South Side of Chicago trading and, and, and doing this podcast. I mean, it, it, this, this this information is not. It's not just Russell. You're not the only, mm-hmm. you know, PhD economist in this country that has figured this out. I mean, you know, it's not. If it was even, nobody'd care. If everybody walked into the Federal Reserve with your with your Washington, which is what the one dollar bill, who's on the two dollar bill? Is it uh, Hamilton? No, Hamilton. Well, where's ever the two dollar? If you walk in with your one dollar bill and you walk out with two dollar bills, and everybody did it, where all of a sudden, if I owed you twenty bucks, I now owe you forty, nobody would care. It would be just like a stock split. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happens. Some people don't get raises. Some people do. Some people uh, get. You know, Thomas Jefferson's on. Thank you, Eliani. The uh, uh, I mean, some some people do, some people don't. I mean, I learned this when I was at Pullman, where the where the, the, the guys in the unions had a cost of living increases, where management didn't. I got a five percent raise one year when inflation was eleven. They said you're one of our best guys. You're getting the full five percent, and I'm like, I'm like the girl in Caddyshack. Tanks for nothing. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not even right, and it and it and, and I, I I just let's put it this way: you you and I can we'll have to agree to disagree. That these guys just don't see it. I've been mean, somebody there sees it. I think. I, I I don't know if they. I just honestly don't know if they think like that. I uh, think they're they're just thinking at such a high 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 level. They're not really thinking about the individual winners and losers around what they are doing. Um. Okay. Uh, okay, Uncle Milty. You know, <laughs> Well, I, I just don't think, I think they're looking at the, you know, the big picture numbers and trying to get those under control and assuming that, uh, what they see in the numbers, it, it is reflected in people's day to day lives. And that's the part that, that they get lost on. Um, you know, because they, they, they haven't had to, you know, well, make a payroll. And, and you can say it's about, uh, you can say it's about 95% of people that, that have really nice government salaries. They never had to make a payroll. They never had to, you know, a lot of them probably didn't even have to worry about where's the money coming from to go to college, you know? Well, you know, I think they, they don't They don't live like, they just don't live like the rest of it. I, uh, you know, I think, as usual, you, you, I don't mind losing arguments to you, but it's, mm-hmm. it's also a little bit of a, a different study of economics. I mean, if I'm going to say that your, that your, your study, uh, is on the, the business economics more of a macro level than, than, mm-hmm. than I was in the arts and letters school and one of the most interesting classes I ever took, one of these days I'll find the notes and hand them over to you was my history of economics course, University of Chicago, which was a two quarter uh, and I, I told you, you know, you know who was, was in the class with me? Your, your, your hero Steve uh, Schwartz oh, yeah. yeah well he was a character <laughs> Big, big, huge guy with, with really stringy hair down to his shoulders. He was, he was a, he was a, a, some kind of a weird genius, I think. Anyway, but f- for me, for <laughs> the way I learned it is economics is not the big picture. It's a million bazillion decisions made by individual people virtually every second, mm-hmm. and, and you add all that up. So it's kind of a different view than if you just look at. So I guess I'm, okay. I'm with you. It's, not, a, it's a bottom. It's a bottom up versus top down view of things. Yeah, and I and and all of us live the bottom up, the bottom part. 
but they're looking at it in a top-down context. Yeah, I mean, I hear people I say... I hope somebody just yeah. wrote that down, because that might be one of the most prophetic things I've ever said. It's, it's on tape, but, <laughs> uh, you know, because it's, cool. it's I mean, the idea, when I hear somebody say, well, inflation hasn't, like, affected everybody, and I'm sitting there, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait. If, say say you get a guy like Russell, and I'll just, you know, Russell makes 100000 a month, and he puts 50 in the bank. Okay, and he lives on fifty. Now these numbers are crazy, I know, uh, but and he puts fifty in the bank. To say that Russell doesn't care when he pays twenty bucks more for gas, well, first of all, he's either gonna out of the fifty he, he's spending fifty and he's saving fifty, all right. So he just spent twenty more for gas. He's either spending twenty dollars less someplace else, which affects someplace else, or yeah. he's he's putting twenty dollars less in savings, which affects. The savings, the bank can't lend out that twenty. No matter what you do, you've affected something, right? Yeah, there's a ripple, a ripple effect on everything. And but I think that's that's the part that frustrates me. That you and I know that. How is it that other people don't seem to get that? When you say, and again, when you say other people, I think you're t- you're, you're talking about the, the people who get to make the decisions that impact yes. everything. Yes. And it's the bubble, man. You know, yeah, you think so? You think it's all? Well, some of it's I, I really, I, do, I believe it's the bubble. I, you know, I came from, you know, you and I have pretty similar growing up backgrounds, like kind of middle class. Yep. And um, you know, I've I've worked my way up where I'm in a kind of a nice suburb of Chicago, and there's a combination of people that have worked their way up or that were born into it. And you can you can kind of see the difference between between the people that were born into it and the people that worked their way up. Oh, yeah. And I think most of the you know, and I don't, I, I haven't gone through the biographies on all these people, and I'm sure that it's not a perfect general statement. But I think you know that most of the people that that make the decisions that impact everybody were, were kind of born into it. You know, um, well, that's why I, I think I guess. I mean, Obama was not, no. but you know, most of the other leaders that we've dealt with, Nixon wasn't. Um, Clinton surely was not. Still, I mean, I'm going to go backwards through presidents, you know. Well, Clinton uh, surely was not. But, and Jerry Ford, I think, just went to Michigan as, as just a regular guy, although he was an all-American football Yeah, I think he was a regular guy, too. I, I, I was on the fence on that one. Now, Bush, obviously, uh, was not. No. Clinton was. Yeah, Clinton was. <laughs> Yeah. You may uh, you, uh, you know, so the, the, the top leaders, yeah, they you know, we've got a mixture in there. Um we don't have a uh, I mean I just don't I my assumption is uh there are that none of the people that are on the Federal Reserve Board right now delivered pizza to put themselves through graduate school. Uh no. Well you, you look at the uh the two people and they're talking about different no. sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um Who's the, the the latest the Supreme Court guy that was arguing about his parties in college and all the other stuff? Was it Gorsuch? Oh, I know who you're talking. Yeah, I, um, you look you look at his upbringing, and I don't. You know, I'm not a big biographer of the guy, but the guy who used to be the Secretary of the Treasury, the Democratic guy, what the hell is his name? Uh, he was the he was Mnuchin or whatever. Yeah, uh, no, no, not yeah. Mnuchin. The guy after him, uh, began with a G. Uh, what the hell is his name? But he wrote, he wrote the book, his, his autobiography or something, or somebody wrote a biography. Oh, Geithner? Yeah. Yeah. Wall Street back and forth, and he'd, he'd go to Wall Street, make a bunch of dough, and then you get one of these jobs again, make a bunch of dough. And, uh, so, but he, 
But Geithner, Geithner never worked on Wall Street. Uh, I thought he had some some deal with somebody for. No, 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 no. He 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 was kind of. But go ahead. I, I don't want to give you it on no, that. No, but, but it, yeah, guy, it was kind of funny. He was not like an ex Goldman Sachs guy like the rest of them. Well, he. But, go ahead. Some somebody had serious connections because whenever uh, he basically bleeped up some summer or some year in college, the old man would like make him like a, a you know some guy's. Uh, uh, clerk for the summer in the, in the, in the Senate or something to, to teach him the mm-hmm. right. So he, he ended up with like all these jobs that uh, you know that no, you and I would like never have had. And every time he screwed up, yeah. instead of the old man getting him a job in a factory and saying, "Here, if you want to work, here's how you got to work," it was the other way around. He gave him some high end job to show him what, what it was like if you just maintain the game. <laughs> but I mean, all these guys that were on the uh, uh, you know the the, the uh, What's the uh, Commodity Futures Trading Commission? And those guys didn't like three or four of them, weren't they? The, the staffers for uh, who was the guy who ran the, the senator from uh, was he Dakota or someplace? He was a big, big high end guy for a while. Tell us. His oh, name. I know who Dashel. Yeah, Dashel. I mean, it, he had, he had oh, like, I'm terrible with names. Me too. But he had like three or four former clerks because he was what head of the Agriculture Committee or something that ended up on yeah. you know the, the CFTC board and stuff. And they never were traders. They never worked for the Board of Trade. They never worked for any kind mm-hmm. of firm. They, 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 didn't have, they probably had one-tenth of the knowledge that you do. No, just, you know what? It's not knowledge. It's experience. It's just different life experience. That's all. And unfortunately, we have people who don't have you know, the average life experience like the rest of us that make decisions that impact us. And because... They don't fully get an. They just don't. They. they I, it, I, I hate when people say this because because you always have to back it up. But they just don't get it. That the some of the decisions they make that how they impact individual people. Well, yeah, uh, and they don't. I, yeah. I, I okay. So I mean, this sounds kind of funny, but I had to fly my last week down here for the semester. Um, I had to fly because. Um, there's a, there's a small problem with my car, but the small problem with my car involves ordering a part that's going to take a week to get here. That's what happens when you get these funky foreign. Cars. I know, I know. Don't start, stop it. Stop it on that. But um, but it's a supply chain thing. You can't tell me that that that, that and I know this is a this is a small modern inconvenience, but you can't tell me that that. Any of the people on the Federal Reserve Board have to deal with the same kind of life kind of stuff that I do. Well, I think you should have known they're, that they're, get, they're getting myself here. Oh, but uh, O'Reilly, <laughs> O'Reilly Auto Parts does that does not stack stuff for a McLaren. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, the, you know the part that I need. It's the one that makes the doors open up to the side. Oh God. Uh, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta. I, t- I'm just, well, I'm one-upping you real quick there. I gotta, you know what? I gotta, I gotta send it to you. Did you ever hear the thing on <laughs> you, on YouTube? This, this is supposedly a, a true phone call in Britain, where it, it's, it's, it's laced with uh, words we can't say in the air, but basically has to do with some old guy buys a, a Rolls Royce. You ever hear this? I'll send it to you. If I, oh. He buys a Rolls Royce and he calls up and he says, uh, he can't. His his Rolls Royce is not working properly, and you know, of course, I'm, I'm trying to clean it up. And where the where the hell are they going to fix his Rolls Royce? Don't you think? For he gets the salesman, and he goes, 
don't you think for $325,000 that I should be able to uh, drive this car? Well, of course, he couldn't get in the driver's door, right? So they said, can't you get in the passenger? The guy, the salesman's name was Lawrence. He goes, don't you think, Lawrence, that for $325,000 I should be able to get my own friggin' door? <laughs> he goes off on the guy. So they, they, he wants them to come out and tow it in and fix his door. <laughs> anyway, it's it's hilarious because the guy, uh, what do you say to the salesman? A little guy in a... A little guy in a, in a in a in a dirty khaki coat. I think he's a little bit of a something. <laughs> but anyway, it was hilarious. We had to do it. A guy pissed off about his Rolls Royce at a bad door. So, just saying. I, I'll never be that guy. <laughs> um, you see, the guys with the Rolls Royce get get uh, your story for Saturday night. Down one of the latest violence story. Not you're not here so Mm-mm. much. Somebody carj five guys car, uh, carjack. This guy's rolls on the near north side. Somehow or another, they make it all the way down to Lansing, Illinois, with the police chasing them. Manage to dump the rolls and, and hop in a Lexus or something down in, in Lansing. Now take off in somebody else's Lexus. Make it to Indiana and 107th Street, which is right near the Little Calumet River. Three guys, mm-hmm. three guys get arrested. Two guys run away and jump in the river and drown. How's that, that that story? If you if you wrote that in one of your books, they would they'd say it didn't even work as fiction. How would two guys don't know how to swim jump in a river to get away from somebody and drown? Well, you can get, you can you can know how to swim and um, yeah, jump in a river and disappear. Well, that's true, but I yeah, I'm saying this. How, I mean, if you if you wrote that story as as a, as a piece of fiction, they'd say, wait a minute. How does somebody get from the north side to Lansing, Illinois, without being stopped? Somehow they're able to, to get rid of that car at three in the morning and steal another car and hop in that one. Really? I mean, a lot of stuff's happening since you're not here, uh, Russell. By the way, if you'd come I know. Back, it's, 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 do I need to come back in town and, and institute law and order? Well, yesterday, if you'd have come in, because you know that because I'm that guy. Yeah, if you'd have come in yesterday morning for the show, you'd have seen. All the stuff going on in the street here is four people got shot in front of you. I, I heard about I actually I heard about that. I was worried about you. You're a big target, my man. Well some some lady got Nick going across the expressway just walking. There's still people here that to, to trade all night in our building. It's not like there's nobody yeah. here. SP Futures up fifteen, NASA Futures up thirty eight. We can back uh tell us what the Fed's gonna do and what's and is the market fully corrected here or no? We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the six from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rock Bay Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tamara Oliani on the board. S&P futures up 12.75. Nasdaq futures up 28.75. Let me pick out a couple of stocks here that are moving. Not, not much. Uh, CVX, again, oil's gonna be up a bunch when we do that. What is up a bunch? We'll just, uh, so CVX up 266, that's one and a half percent. Home Depot's up 250, we've got, uh, uh, Salesforce up a buck 12, so everything's green, and, uh, to the upside here in the, in the Dow pretty much. The only thing down is Intel, it's only down 17 cents, so well, everything is kind of creeping forth here. We, we think the, uh, you know, the Fed decision is gonna be, uh, either expected or received well or whatever, as of right now anyway. Uh, Dow futures up 112. Uh, Asia, uh, Nikkei is, uh, their, their last was, uh, they, they were closed today. Alright, so, uh, Shanghai was reopened. They're up 71.2.4%. And Hang Seng, who was, who has, was open yesterday, mainland was not. They're down 232, 1.1%. So, that moving back and forth has to do with catch up on who was closed and who wasn't. Over in Europe, uh, every, everybody's open today. Uh, DAX up two points, uh, call that flat. FTSE down 24.3%, CAC around down 34.5%. So mixed and not much movement there awaiting the Fed decision here. Yesterday, uh, Dow up 67.2%, S&P up 20.5%, NASDAQ up 27.2%. Uh, we've got bonds uh, up one basis point to 2.97%. Uh, the Bund up three basis points to 0.98%, pushing for 1%. Man, oh man, for years we were what? Minus 0.68, now we're gonna be a positive one. All the bonds that those guys bought, their portfolio, if they mark their portfolio, they gotta have huge losers in there. Uh, Japan, 0.22. Again, they refuse to let their rates move, which is causing the yen dollar to go kinda crazy. UK up one basis point to 1.97. Oil, like I said, was up, it's up 405, that's why CVX is Chevron Tech goes up so much. It's 106.46. Brent up 399. One weight set 96. Natural gas up 33 cents to 828. That's a 
That's it, that's a that's a world breaking event right there. I mean, uh, has been that high since two thousand and eight. Our Bob up twelve cents to three sixty three. Guess I should have filled the suburban up last week. Uh, gold down six fifty eighteen sixty four. Silver down twenty eight cents twenty two thirty eight. Copper up two cents four twenty nine. And we have Bitcoin up at twelve hundred bucks thirty eight thousand eight eight eight. Eliani, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Did you go to the Cup game last night and sit out there in that rain? No, I did not. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were, I knew you were too smart for that. Yes, I was. Uh, good morning, everyone. Currently 7.36 a.m. on May 4th. May the 4th be with you, as the Star Wars fans would say. Let's start with sports. Uh, looking at the NBA, Suns will be playing the Mavericks tonight at 9 o'clock, so look forward to that. And looking over to baseball, Diamondbacks beat the Marlins last night 5-4, to four, and Walks, White Sox beat the Cubs last night 3-1. to one. Looking at weather in Chicago, got mostly cloudy. The sun's trying to push through, sitting at 41 degrees with a high of 54, low of 38. Looking at weather in Phoenix, currently sunny, 66 with a high of 91 and a low of 63. Uh, got quite a bit of traffic this morning in Chicago, so let's get into it. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect. Traffic westbound on 290 between uh, California and 9th. Uh, traffic northbound on 294 between West 127th and Highway 34. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence. Traffic westbound on I-90 between Lawrence and the I-90 West Ramp. Traffic eastbound on 94 between West Dempster and Canalport. Traffic westbound on 94. Sorry, eastbound 94 between West Dempster and Canalport. Traffic westbound on 94 between East 138th and Cicero. Traffic northbound on 57 between Route 83 and the 94 East Ramp. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and the 94 East Ramp. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore between uh, East 31st and East Grand. Traffic southbound on Lakeshore between uh, Chicago Avenue and East McFetteridge. And uh, there is a uh, bridge... Um, a bridge report here, a bridge lift report. Uh, starting today, uh, it's the first day of Chicago Spring Bridge lift boat run season. Starting at 9 o'clock in the morning, one bridge at a time will be raised from Ashland Avenue to Lakeshore Drive, allowing boats to pass through. Expect additional congestion downtown along the river during lifts. Bridge lifts will take place every Wednesday and Saturday, except Saturday, May 28th, through the end of June. Back to you, Chief. The, uh, Russell, uh, can I shift gears a little bit and, uh, we, we, when we talk about the Fed meeting and everything, I, 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 I uh, there, there's, there's a backdrop to this. I mean, everybody's going to be talking about interest rates or talking about inflation and they're talking about, uh, you know, those kinds of things. But really, it starts where the federal government spends money and whether they've got enough to spend, correct? I mean, it, that's really the, the, the that, that's where the, the, the stream turns into a river, shall we say. And, and, and last year, I mean, we really don't have any. The Fed is supposed to be independent and make all these own decisions, but I think probably mm-hmm. you and I can agree that maybe they're not so much. But but, go, but going forward, we have no no hint of a of a balanced budget anytime soon. Correct? I mean, it's oh gosh, no. Yeah. Do we even talk about that anymore? Oh well, you know, we're we're coming back some. I mean, last year. I have, the no, I have the numbers in front of me. I took the uh, liberty when Eliani was doing traffic. Last year, the government took in uh, four, this is the federal government, the receipts were $4.04 trillion, and expenditures were $6.8 trillion. So we're talking about a gap of what, 40%, 45%, some, yeah. some huge number. So the deficit was 2.77. They spent more than they took in. Now, uh, you can you can get that money one of three ways. You know, well, if you tax it, of course it's going to be in the number, right? 
So now your deficit yeah. is only going to come from one of one of two ways. You're either going to borrow it, in which case you go out and you you, you grab it from, you know, you sell a hundred thousand dollar bond to Russell, and then uh, this, the, the federal government has a hundred thousand dollars more to spend, but Russell's got a hundred thousand dollars less to spend. So even if you're a Keynesian, you don't get very far doing that, right? I mean, I mean, if you want to go through the math, which first of all you'd be correcting me and I do it wrong, but basically all you gain is that you would normally save money and the federal government won't, right? So, you, so you don't really gain much. You just, you just, you just change you from being the spender of the hundred thousand to the Fed, to the government, right? So you don't get, get too far there. The third way is to just print it, which we've yeah. been, which we've been doing. So it, it's not just this, this esoterical, what's the Fed going to do in this move and what did he say? What did she say in this speech and that speech? The, the, the bottom line is the, 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 uh, the, the, the creation of all this mess is that the federal government is spending more money than they're taking in, and oh, by the way, the Fed's printing it to, so they can do it. That That's really where, and I, I haven't heard anybody bring it back to that level. Now this year, uh, in the first six months, the federal government has taken in $2.1 trillion, roughly the same rate as last year, maybe a little more, and they've spent two point seven, which, if you multiply that by 2, you're up to 5.5, which is a trillion something less than last year. So they've cut mm-hmm. they've cut it way down. So now you're talking about $668 billion deficit in the first six months. So, and again, these are these are treasury numbers, and I'm sure there's off-balance sheet and all the other kind of crap that we don't need to go into. But, but bottom line is, uh, now that includes any kind of increase in taxes, and there might have been just a little bit of increase in taxes here. Now that, so somewhere along the line, you've got to pick up the $688 billion. Now, are you going to borrow it, which I think the, we, we keep getting the national debt going up. So they are borrowing some, correct? Uh, but, yeah. But I doubt if they're borrowing all, and that, that's where the Fed comes in. And now if, if you know, if, if uh, Biden decides, you know, with the Congress and everybody else, if he decides we really do need yet another trillion six infrastructure program or something, or whatever you want to call it, build back America, I mean, and they had another trillion six. The question in everybody's mouth should be, where are you getting it? Are you raising taxes to get it? Probably not. Are you going to borrow it? From whom? Uh, and, or are you just going to print it? And that's where, if the Fed was really, th- this is really where the, where the rubber meets the road. For, the, for Powell to come out and say, this is what we're doing today, and oh, by the way, any further spending plans you guys better have, you better find a way to either borrow it or tax it because I'm not giving you another dime. I don't, that would be the announcement I'd be looking for. And I, well, I'll tell you what, there's a one, there's a, what, a, a, a snowball's chance in hell of that happening, right? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, and and I, I don't know when, I, I, this is the one that I'm not sure when the come up, what, what the comeuppance is going to be. Other than maybe just, you know, a whole lot of inflation to make it a more palatable number. Yeah, which which, which and what and, and a reason that I think that that you know <clears throat> yeah yeah I, I I you're the more cynical one of us and uh, you know like there there I, I think there's this feeling that uh, the thing that's happening in Ukraine uh, that there are people in D.C. that kind of like it because it gives them a scapegoat for a lot of the issues, you know. Well, yeah. 
it, it, so, and, and I just I wonder if that you know bleeds through to to a lot of different things. Well, we've got a whole lot of inflation. That's going to help us with our deficit problem in the long run. Well, it, it will. And, I mean, it's, I mean, and it's a way that it kind of gets fixed, and they don't have to do anything. Well, if, if you want to be real cynical, if if you if you lend, what's what's the year rate? The year rate is what two one point five, something like that. If you if you lend like if you lend the government. Um, a hundred thousand bucks, and at the end of the year, they give you a hundred and two. Say that hundred and two is now going to be worth ninety two. You you just they just took eight thousand out of your hide. I mean, in terms of spending mm-hmm. power, right? So the the government is a huge winner in inflation. Not to mention bracket creep on people's tax returns and all the other stuff that goes with it. Yeah. I mean, if if, if you're making forty grand a year, and in the next five years, inflation is. Uh, you know, is is a hundred percent, and you're now making eighty. You're, you're not you're yeah. not back to square one because you're paying more taxes, right? A higher percentage. And and I don't think there are very many people that that are, you know, we talk about the the nominal rate of uh, interest and the real rate of interest. Um, you know, I don't think there are very many people whose real income is keeping up with, um, you know, the real cost of living. No. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can't even. The only the only people that maybe are are people that are taking advantage of the really tight job market and jumping from place to place. And I think, it's, I think I a lot of really, people. I really doubt there's anybody that's sitting at the. You know, and I in, in in you know being a professor down here is just absolutely wonderful. It's a great you know, it, it's a great lifestyle. It, it you know, I, I don't have to be sitting in my seat right at eight thirty when the market's open anymore. And that's one of the things I like about being a professor. Uh, plus, it's different from day to day. But um, you know, I, I don't think the I don't I don't even know how the raises work because I haven't been here a full year. But I severely doubt that um, you know that that my my salary here will go up as much as the cost of going back and forth has gone up. Well, you might want to tune into uh, you know. the, the, the second hour of yesterday's show. Even though we had a little bit of a communication problem, it was tough to listen to hear him. Uh, Professor Hal Snar has been out at, see Westminster in, a, in in a Salt Lake City. Anyway, he it's a liberal arts place, and he teaches economics. Real, real, real good guy, good guest. Uh, he had he, he had one. They had a kid and wanted one more, and they ended up with triplets. So they got a, they got a crew. Uh, oh anyway, but he's been there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say he's been there ten, twelve years, and he uh. he will have answered your question. He goes. You know, it's not like we don't get raises, but they've they've never equaled the real inflation in ten or twelve yeah. years. So because well, all I've done is fall behind. You know, I'm sure he wrote something, but he's been doing something else. But he goes, I mean, there's no, there's no. I'm going to say that if if we have four years of ten percent raises, unfortunately, my my friend Russell is not going to get four years of ten percent raises. No, and I and I don't expect it. And no. I'm not going to, you know. But I'm but it comes to. Gonna, but it also it raises the question, which you just did. Again, you and I were on this macro, macro micro kind of discussion here this morning. Uh, because we've pumped so much money in the system, I don't know, even though we just had one quarter with negative GDP, a recession is what, two quarters in a row? Isn't that the definition? Yeah. yeah. Right, so so the uh, um, I'm going to say that every, everybody... If, if you get this year, if inflation's ten percent, and you get an eight percent raise, I'm going to say Russell Rhodes is in a recession. 
I'm, I've got a personal recession going on. And I'm going to say that 80 to 85% of the people in this country are going to have a personal recession this year. Yeah. Whether the big numbers show it or don't. There's unions here in Chicago. Right, the, the, the only thing that is different is that uh, you know the, a, a true, true recession would involve uh, a lot of people losing their job. And that's the part that's not going on right now. Because uh, a real recession would, uh, uh, in a real, in a normal recession, because there's just nothing normal about the current environment. Right. But in a normal recessionary environment, uh, you'd have, uh, you know, I would be worried about, uh, you know, worried about my job and people. And I don't think, and nobody, I, I just don't feel. I feel like anybody that really wants to to work can work right now. And if you have to work, um, there are ways to find, you know, to find jobs there. I got I got students that that have summer internships and they're already the, the people they're interning with are already saying, "Can you stick around once you know once the summer's over with?" You know, normally the summer intern thing is kind of a drag on your time if, when, yeah. when you're you know when you're not the intern, uh, but they're you know they're, they're taking a completely different attitude about it because a lot of firms are having a heck of a time filling jobs. Well, I mean, and so. I, I, that's, that's what's different about this is, you know, there, there's the recession where how much it costs for me to live from month to month is going up a couple of percent while my salary is not, uh, as opposed to, um, you know, the cost of me getting no salary. <laughs> yes. And I, it doesn't matter what things cost because I ain't got any money anyway. I, I, I don't disagree. I just, yeah. I, but I also know that uh, there's a, Oh, you, what's the term? And, and and you probably know this better than me. What there's there's a I won't won't call it a shadow economy, but there's a there's there's the ten ninety nine economy, for yep. lack of a better term. And what what we talked about when you first came on, you know, this friend of Audrey's that's saying, okay, I'm not going to remodel stuff for a while because the stuff is too expensive. Or Kevin's saying the people they're building this house are just putting off the. Well, that's. I'm, I don't know what this guy's work crew looked like. I'll bet it was five people, maybe six. I don't think it was yeah. twenty or anything like that. But it, it, it's, it starts to happen real fast on the low end. Anyway, but because what I've, I think what I'm saying is, you can, maybe you can fill me in better on this. There's a a group in government. That's why I, I think Russell, when the economy is going good, it's actually going better than people say it is. And when it's going crummy, it's actually going crummier because. If if you and I get in the uh, the house building business and hire twenty people, nobody knows about that until January February when when the ten ninety nines hit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and so if we hire those people, we could be there could actually be two percent more people working than people even think uh, out there, right? And and then when things are going bad, those people are going to get laid off all along the year. The electricians, the carpenters. And you're not going to know until you get to 1099. Instead of 80 grand, the guy made 20. So I mean, yeah. it, it can happen. You're right. There haven't been any dramatic across the board layoffs that we see on TV all the time, except for a, a brokerage firm, Robinhood or something. But, mm-hmm. but there, yeah, you're right. There haven't been. Uh, so it's not in that regard. But can everybody just get drained five percent a year? That appears to be what's happening now. Is what you're saying? No, yeah, I mean, that, that we're, we're only getting hit for that part. Sorry. Matter of fact, we just got a we yeah. just got a, a 
I'll read a little bit of this. I just got this from, uh, uh, from Hal Snars. If CPI is understating inflation being used to adjust income tax brackets, its use in this capacity allows the government to capture ever more, even more people, middle class earnings and higher and higher tax brackets over time. The rich, as they always have been able to do, lobby for deductions and carve, carve outs that allow them to skirt around the progressive taxation, but middle class has no defense there. I mean, that, that's true, no. right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, you, you don't have, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call you certainly lower middle class, but I mean, I don't think, I don't think there's a, a Russell Rhodes carve out in the tax law that maybe, uh, Elon Musk has or something like that, right? No. No, there's not, there's absolutely not. What, what do you what do you make of this? Uh, I got to get you on a, on, a, on a topic. What do you make of this mess of him? Mess is him buying Twitter with like margin stock from Tesla. I mean, you ever see anything like that? Uh, not in a leveraged buyout type of situation. No. No, we talked about this a lot in my class last night. Really? What? Did, and what was it? A question, or did yeah. you bring it up? Uh, it was a que- it was a question about mergers, and it, it just it, we were talking about you know just how do companies value mergers? Why do they do that? It, it really it was it was a side conversation. It wasn't even part of the normal lecture. It just kind of came about at the very end when we just start sit around and talk. Usually in my classes, um, a handful of us will sit around and talk for an hour or so after class is over with about different stuff. And I just kind of leave myself open for a Q&A, and the Q&A was all about, it just deviated into uh, mergers and, uh, you know, how are they going about being funded, and with uh, with the Elon Musk situation, you know, what, I don't, again, I don't think what's going on with Elon Musk in the, is, is a normal business decision. I think it's more of, um, you know, him thinking Twitter should be utilized in a different way. I don't think he has a... A plan for making it more profitable, which is usually why you go about go about buying something. Uh, and do you really want to partner with somebody that's more about uh, doing good than making money? That's not you know that's that's not why private equity firms are in business. So does Tesla? I'm sorry. Does Twitter generate any kind of cash flow to help fund going private? And I don't think they really do right now. Uh, are you going to let him leverage himself up for an investment that's probably not going to not going to pay for itself? I think mean, that's that's where there's starting to be some issues around this deal. And he even I don't know if a lot of people caught it, but you know, of course, I know you were watching the red carpet Met Gala stuff, oh, yeah. uh, and yeah. he got asked about Twitter when he was on the, and he said he he did say if the deal gets completed, this is what I'll do. He didn't say this is what we're going to do, and I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't think I don't think anybody caught that that statement out of him. Well, I mean, which he, to me, makes it sound like it might not. I know, and I know that the stock's acting like it might not be a done deal, but that was that, that was a less than confident statement out of him in my mind. Well, we're talking about the guys. The economics don't make sense on it for people to want to join in with him, and he's going to end up having to put up. Tesla stock is collateral. Well, you know, I, I just I, I would be very concerned if I were a uh, if I were going to lend him the money at using that as his collateral. I'd probably give him fifty cents on the dollar for the collateral because oh. I'd be very because I'm I'm just very concerned about Tesla having to weather new competition from other electric cars 
but also they haven't gone through. They really haven't gone through a recession where people suddenly stop buying cars. Well, what if they change this? So, uh, so I would be if, if I were you know if I were looking at this from a pure business standpoint, I'd have a heck of a time giving him a you know a hundred percent loan against his Tesla stock. Well, if you, if you if you do anything with and this carbon I, credits, you may be seeing that. You know, what what if you cut back on the carbon credits? The guy's out of business at Tesla. I know he is. Well, I mean, this has all the, uh, but he, he was going to take Tesla private the one time, and he didn't. So if he doesn't, I'll bet he, I'll bet he wish he could have. I bet he <laughs> wish he could have too. But I mean, this thing here yeah. with Twitter, I mean, he, if he doesn't work out, he's like no harm, no foul. I think. Yeah. I don't. Well, you. I don't know. You know, he bought a bunch of stock. I, I don't know what the cost basis is, but I'll bet it's a lot lower than what the stock is right now. Well, that's true, and he also uh, mm-hmm. isn't there. Doesn't he have a, a buyout where if, if the thing falls apart, he owes Twitter some money or something? Probably. I think that's like, usually part of the deal. I haven't seen it, but that, that, have, uh, that would be. That, I would imagine that's part of the deal. We have Alan Charette here within the. He's with NFO, sitting in the office with me this morning. Of course, he won't have his mic on, but he did, he did out peeps so that that's a billion dollars was his. Uh, thank you, Alan. Uh, hey, uh, quick question, economic question. Uh, since I have essentially dueling professors, you on the line, and Hal, uh, um, Hal's convinced that because, and he's maybe more of a conspiracy theorist than, than you are, maybe more than me, he's convinced that because you can't trust any of the CPI numbers, he's just using the, the increase in the money supply over time as the inflation rate. He figures it's it's going to end up with that, so he's just using that. What do you think of that? Eventually, it's gonna, eventually it'll catch up with it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't necessarily use it right now, but you can make, you know, I guess you could extrapolate out numbers and say over the next two, three years, the prices should converge with how much money's been put out there, unless they shrink the money supply. Uh, well, uh, I don't see them. They have, they have, no, I, no. yeah, they have cut back on the growth the the last two months, down to like the 4% level from the 13 and 8 and 20 where it was. But uh, mm-hmm. so they actually have started a little bit of that. If, if you look, if you believe the last two months, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why the market has kind of uh, scooted down some. Russell, the question. I think the, I think the market scooted down some because of that, but also, um, you know, the Fed. We've always felt like the Fed's going to bail us out in the stock market, and they're not doing it anymore. Well, how how uh, vulnerable? I, I, you, yeah. you just got. I, 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 the market has this impression that um, they don't they don't have a Fed that's stock friendly for a while until they get everything else righted. Well, we only, we have a minute, Russell. I'll give you I'll ask you a market valuation question, and which of course is always tough to answer. I'll pick out two stocks. One is Nvidia, which I think is still forty eight times earnings, even though it's down a hundred bucks. And Lululemon, you know, everybody loves the stuff, and you know, going to men's clothes. And I always thought the company was very well run, but. You are talking about an, an apparel company trading forty times earnings. I mean, it, you know, let's just say every, that they still are a singular standout going forward. I mean, if the interest rates go to three or four or five percent, how you got to be really, really special to be a forty or fifty PE, don't you? You should be. <laughs> I mean, it's up around fifty. Yeah, uh, but also, you know, it's the the nice to have stuff versus the have to have stuff. The nice to have stuff is not where you want to be invested. So, you know, my one of my daughters, you know, I have, this is a quote from her, their mother. 
you know, she'll only wear Lululemon. I'm like, really? you know, which I did not know because I don't do the shopping. Yeah. But um, if 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 we're really going to tighten the belts in the Rhodes household, uh, she'll wear something other than Lululemon. Oh, we have to dash here, Russell. You just left me with a vision. <laughs> you and your cardigan in the Lululemon store. I, I don't know. That would that, I need a picture of that. That'd be something. Uh, we'll we'll get you one. Take care of yourself, buddy. Have a good weekend. <laughs> SP futures up eight now, only up eight. Nasdaq is up seventeen. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks with all the Fed news. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProdirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I'm looking for the least possible amount of responsibility.